0: Well, let me tell you about someone who's, whose life has been changed here at our church. Her name is Catherine Nicholson. And our church has been, come August, this church will have been meeting, it's hard to believe, at Kenoset Elementary School for coming up on five years. And Catherine has been a part of it, I think, since week two. She missed the very first week. What a slacker. Okay? But things started in my living room. We had an interest meeting with about half a person who showed up. And by week two, we had, we, people were beginning to actually show up. And Catherine and some of her friends, and, and, and you know the, the room is starting to get a little bit bigger. And it didn't take long for Catherine to begin growing at our church and begin growing in faith and growing in faithfulness and learning what it looks like to follow Jesus. And like you, she had bumps in her life as well. And God met her and walked her through every single one of them to the point where she even began really wrestling with, should I pursue this call of God, this relationship with God, even vocationally? Should I give my life to being a full-time minister of the gospel? That's how much this thing had gotten inside of her. And she's wrestling with it, and we're praying together, and she feels like, you know what, the next step is, is probably missions and campus ministry, and so she raises a, her own salary and raises a partnership team to go on the college campus so that she can speak to students. You're going to hear about it more in just a minute, but it's amazing. Anybody who would take a step of faith, raise money, so that they can go and tell people about Jesus, it's absolutely amazing. I've said it before, and I'll say it again, that if our church, if we started this church all it did was reach one person. It's worth it, if it was just for Catherine, it's worth it. Now that I've made her cry, it's time for her to come up and take the microphone. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, let me warmly welcome Catherine Nicholson. Please put your hands together.
1: Thank you. He did make me cry. I wasn't ready. Good morning. Good morning, you guys. Look so great this morning. It's so awesome to see you. Thank you, Pastor Andy, for that wonderful introduction. Let me wipe my tears away. So for those of you all who don't know me, like you've heard many times now, my name is Catherine. I am a campus minister here. So basically what that means is I have the privilege to speak and build relationally with college students week in and week out. I love seeing their faces here on Sunday mornings. And what I get to do is I get to share what Jesus has done in my life with them, with the hope and the prayer that God will do the same for them and will bring them into deepness and fullness in their walk with the Lord. And so that's what I get to do. So I have the privilege of speaking with them, but to be able to be here this morning and to speak to y'all, my church family, my people is such an honor, is such a privilege, and I'm so excited to be here this morning. So like I said, my name's Catherine. Uh, Let's see, what else about me? I am 30, believe it or not. (laughs) Yes, I am 30. Um, Let's see what else. I love to travel, not only for missions, but just in general, I love traveling. I hate flying. I hate flying. Y'all, I got on a plane 19 times last year. Don't like it, but I love to travel. I love to experience new cultures because I love people. I love people, whether they're here, whether they're in Mexico, whether they're in Cambodia. I don't care. I love them all. And so that's a little bit about me. Another very important thing about me, you might want to take your pen out. This is really important. I hate mushrooms, y'all. They're so bad. I like Brussels sprouts. I know Pastor Andy doesn't. I love Brussels sprouts, but I cannot stand mushrooms. Hate me, it's fine. It's not a big deal. So I'm excited to be here. And as I was thinking, even just to introduce myself, I started realizing, wow, there's a lot of different ways to introduce yourself to people. You know, there's your name, there's your least favorite vegetable, there's whether you like people or you don't like people, but then there's also your official forms of identification, right? You have your, your driver's license, you have your social security number, you have your passport, things like that. These are your official forms of identification. And has anyone else in here ever had a moment where you needed one of those and you didn't have it? I have. Very recently, last summer, I was leading a trip to Australia. Remember that. I was leading a trip to Australia. And I'm getting ready, you know, it's the day before, I'm packing all my stuff, I go to my parents' house, they live closer to the airport, so they take me to the next morning. We get there, I get there early, because I'm on top of things as a leader. Get there early, I'm checked in, I'm through, you know, the whole, all the checking in process. I get my ticket and everything. I meet with one of the students that was flying with me. We get in line, we're, you know, going through security, and we get to the front. And so at the front, you know, you have to hand them your ticket and your identification. And so I go to get my wallet. I open it. And I'm like, "Uh, I don't have my ID. That's weird. I I checked in with it. I don't have my ID. huh?" But then the most horrifying jaw-dropping moment ever happened. I don't have my passport. Y'all, I'm going to Australia. I don't have my passport, so I'm literally sitting at the front of the security line. I don't have my passport, I don't have my passport. I get out of line, I'm like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And my passport's not at my parents' house, which is like 20 minutes away. It's here in Kennesaw, which y'all know is like an hour, maybe an hour and a half away from the airport. And so I don't know what to do, I don't have my ID. So the first thing I think to do is to call our amazing pastor's wife, Amy, because she lives four minutes from my house and I essentially beg her to help me and it didn't take much convincing. They're amazing, our pastors are awesome. And so she literally mobilizes instantly, gets in my house, gets my passport, and comes to the airport. And so then I just had to sit and I had to wait and wait. And I'm literally just like <laughs> So she gets there, she calls me, she's coming through you know, the Southwest line, does not barely even stop her car. She puts her my passport like out the window. I literally like, run up, I grab it, I reach and I give her a huge hug. And then I'm like, thank you! And like sprint to security, literally. She is cheering at me like, you can do it! And so we go to security, the line's longer, you know, we, we get through, only because we knew someone in line ahead of us and he let us cut. No shame, no shame, you do what you gotta do. So we get through, we make it, we're sprinting, and we make it to the gate, we get on the plane. Everything is fine. Deep breath. (sighs) That was the beginning of a 15-day mission trip to Australia. And remember, you guys, I was the leader, and I forgot my passport. I did. But why was this so stressful for me? Like, why was that moment so stressful? Because I forgot one specific form of identification. That's it. I had a driver's license, but I didn't have the one specific one. Why? Because your identity is important. Who you are is important. There's not many things we can do in our world without one. If you wanna drive a car, you need a license. If you want to rent an apartment or buy a house, you need an ID. If you wanna check a book out of the library, you need to prove that you are this person and you live in this county or you can't have my books. You have to have an identity. And I truly believe, I think because of this, that's why there's an enemy that's out there that is trying to make us forget who we are. He's trying to rob us of that identity because it is important. And now some of y'all, you may not have forgotten your passport trying to get on a plane. I hope you have it, don't do it. I never will again. But you maybe have never had that experience but I'm sure there, there was a time in your life that you've forgotten who God has made you to be. Have you ever taken a moment and looked in the mirror and wondered if you're even lovable? Have you ever questioned your worth? Do you have these constant lies in your head that are just accusing you, that are condemning you, that are con- condemning you? Are you walking around unsure of who you are in God? Are you overcompensating by becoming something that you're not? I have great news for you all today. What we are going to do this morning is we are going to look at Scripture, and we are going to learn from people in the Bible who have struggled with these same things, just like you and just like me. And we're going to be encouraged, and we are going to learn this morning. You guys with me? Awesome. So if you have your Bible with you this morning, or your phone, whatever method that you use, we're going to have the scriptures on the screens behind us as well. But if you will turn to the book of Acts, we're going to be reading about the Apostle Paul this morning. So for those of you that don't know, the Apostle Paul, he is actually one of the most prolific and influential evangelists of the entire Christian faith. He wrote over one-third of the New Testament, often talking about his newness and his identity in Christ. But he didn't always start out that way. Like a lot of us here who are Christians, we did not just start out praising God and honoring God, and neither did Paul. He even talks about it himself in his letter to the Philippians. In Philippians 3, verse 4, he says, We put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to a law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. So what Paul is saying here is that he had all reason to have confidence in his fleshly abilities. Those are impeccable credentials of someone who was raised in the Jewish law. And so what he is saying here is that if anyone could have confidence in the flesh, it was him. So how does he go from walking with an identity in fleshly things to walking in an identity found in Jesus and becoming the writer of most of the New Testament? Let's find out. So turn into Acts. We're going to go to chapter 9, and we're going to discover Paul's salvation journey. We're going to see how he, got, he went from this, this identity founded on his fleshly abilities, this fake ID that he's created for himself, this false identity that he's living under. And we're going to see what his path to find the Lord looked like. So we're in Acts chapter 9. We're going to start in verse 1. And real quick, before I read that, I want to read one verse in the chapter before just to really set up this man, Paul. Chapter 8, verse 3, it says, But Saul, was another name for Paul. But Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Okay, this is Paul, all right? So Acts 9, chapter 1, it says, But Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. All right, we're going to pause here for a moment. So looking at these verses, they help us to understand who Paul was before Jesus changed everything in his life. Clearly, he was against the early church or the way, which is what this verse says. It's just the name of those at the time who had confessed Jesus as their Savior. He was against them. We see that he's breathing threats of murder He's literally going into their homes, dragging them out, men and women, no mercy, no discrimination, and imprisoning them, essentially setting them up for execution. That's pretty major. Why is he doing that? Well, if we take a moment to understand a little bit more about Paul, he was raised as a very well-educated high member of a Jewish society, a Jewish culture. And he was part of a group called the Pharisees. And the Pharisees were a group of Jews who had a very strict observance of the law. So they looked at the law as your means for salvation, as your means for righteousness. So when Jesus comes on the scene, and he starts speaking that your salvation and righteousness comes from grace and from faith in the Lord, the Pharisees didn't like it. They were upset. And so Paul, being such a zealous member of this group, was equally upset to the point where he was putting men and women to their deaths because of this. This is a false identity in which he is living. Sentencing people to murder. He was persecuting Christians. He was seeking them out for death because of what they believed in. Now many of us in this room, we may not relate to the murderous nature of Paul. Hopefully not. (laughs) But what we can relate to is a fruit of a rebellious life against God because that is what Paul was doing. We can struggle with our identity just like Paul was doing here. And while we may not have gone and ravaged the church and gone to seek out people to kill them, but what we have done is we have ravaged God's commandments We have taken them and we've pieced them apart, we've picked the ones that we like, we've created our own identity, our own fake ID to be able to just pass whatever inspection there is before us to say, this looks like righteousness, sounds good. We have all experienced this. I know we have, myself included. Because when you don't know who you are, you're going to create and invent yourself to the world in a way that you think will be accepted. And that is not what God has for you. That is not what God has for me. So, Paul's problem here he has this false identity, he's murdering Christians, and he's essentially finding his worth in the things that he's doing in keeping the laws and keeping the commandments. And this is something I can personally relate to, this performance-based identity. Honestly, I, I think I grew up, or I think I, honest, I came out of the womb singing. I really do. You can ask any of my friends who've known me. I, I do. I think I came out of the womb singing. My parents have home videos of me singing myself to sleep in my car seat. I'm singing to my dog. I'm making up songs about anything around me. Usually Mickey and Minnie Mouse. It was my favorite. Many songs that are on film. I should have brought some. That would have been cute. I was adorable. But I sang. <laughs> I was a singer. It was who I was. I was in choir at school and at church from before I can even remember. And I worked hard to sing. And I was good at it. It was something that I had talent for. And so I began to really find my worth in my ability to sing because I was good at it. So my worth and my identity was very much found in the ability to be the best vocalist that I could I was also an athlete. No big deal. (laughs) I started playing soccer when I was seven. Competitively when I was 12, I trained, I worked hard. I went to conditionings and soccer camps to get better. I had a goal to be one of the best on my team, and I often was. I was good at it. I was talented in this. So my worth and my identity was very much found in my ability to be the best athlete, to be the best vocalist, to be the best. Honestly, if I wasn't the best, I didn't know who I was. That's how deeply my worth was founded in those things, in my performance, in my abilities. And so like Paul, my, my identity was based on my works, on what I was doing. And I wore myself out with all of the doing. But identity in Jesus is not about what you do. It's about who you become. Identity in Jesus is not about what you do. It's about who you become. Ephesians 2.8. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. This verse shows us that there is nothing that we can do to earn right standing with God, it is by grace alone. There is nothing you can do to make God love you more. There is nothing you can do to put you in a better position in his eyes. There is nothing that you can do because God loves you already. He sees you already exactly where you are. God is for you. It doesn't matter what your, your job is, what your GPA is. What college you get accepted to, whether you're married or not, whether you have kids or not. These things are important, but they don't define you. God is the only one who can bring definition and identity into your life, not your performance. Identity in Jesus is not about what you do. It's about who you become. So last we looked at Paul, he was doing a lot. Right? So let's see what he becomes. Let's go back to Acts 9. We're going to pick right back up where we left off in verse 3 and see what happens with Paul. Now as he went on his way, he approached Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him, and falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? Lord? So what we are witnessing here is Paul's moment of salvation. He's persecuting Christians. He's murdering Christians. And then all of a sudden, with a snap, everything changes. Why? Because he encounters Jesus. And Jesus changes everything. So imagine you're Paul. You're this hoity-toity, high-end, pharisaical person. You're walking around. You're doing all the things that you think God is desiring of you. You're doing all of these wonderful things. And then all of a sudden, the man that you are going against his people, this man who came on the scene and created this way movement, this whole new group of people, this man that you've been persecuting his followers, he miraculously shows up. And he talks to you. But he doesn't come with guns blazing and fire bringing judgment down upon him. Jesus comes with grace. And he says, Saul, what are you doing? What are you doing? Jesus does not come to just reprimand you for your sin. He comes with grace. And he comes with mercy because he has more for you than that. Jesus comes with the intent to not just bring judgment, but to bring transformation. He wants to transform you from the inside out, and not only that, he then wants to use you to advance his kingdom. God took the abilities that Paul had as a zealous Pharisee, his education, his knowledge of the word, his zeal, and he transformed it all, and then used it to advance the kingdom, to become one of the most influential evangelists of the entire Christian faith. That is what God has in store for each one of you as well, to transform what you have been doing into something great. Because identity in Jesus is not about what you've done. It's about who you become. You guys seeing a pattern here? (laughs) Identity in Jesus isn't about what you've done. It's about who you become. Jesus does not take stock of all the things you've done wrong. He's not sitting up in heaven on a fluffy cloud just making notes of all of the mistakes that you've made and all of the things you've done wrong. Jesus is coming to you with grace. He's coming to you with mercy. But what's even greater thing to realize here? is that it's actually because of the things that you have done wrong that God has come for you. You may be sitting in here thinking, I don't know, I've done a lot of things. I've messed up. But I am here this morning to tell you that if you are still coming to Jesus, saying, Lord, you don't know what I've done, then clearly you do not fully understand all that he has done Jesus died a horrible, horrendous death so that you could be free. He died because of the things that you have done, because of your darkness, because of that sin that was living within you. We are all corroding from the inside out, and it is because of that that Jesus came and that led him to the cross, but it didn't end there. What happens next is the crux of our faith and all that we believe in. Jesus dies, yes, but then he goes and he goes to hell and he defeats the devil. Not just so he can come back and be like, hey, I did it, y'all, I'm victorious. Take that devil. No. Jesus raises from the dead so that you and your past and your sin and your mistakes could be covered and forgiven completely. What Jesus did at the cross and three days later at the tomb changes who you belong to. It changes your identity. Identity in Jesus is not about what you do, it's not about what you've done, it's about who you become. So, the final piece of our puzzle today is that last portion of our big idea Who do we become? Who are we becoming in Jesus? So remember earlier when I mentioned that I relate to Paul's performance identity. Thankfully, like Paul, I also had a transforming moment. I had a moment where I was able to essentially cash in this old false identification for a new one. So when I went to school, when I went to college, I I knew Jesus as my Savior. I'd had that moment a few years prior. I went to school, I knew God, I knew Jesus, but I was still very much finding my worth and my identity and my performance and the things that I was doing. And so God, in his grace and mercy, began to tear those things down. I was in a group of over 100 people in a choir, it's no longer the best one, so that that desire failed. To go to school where I was going to school and to study music, I had to give up soccer. So that failed. My teacher's pet, straight-A student lifestyle got much harder to accomplish in college. Surprising, I know. It failed. I got lost in a sea of thousands of people, and I didn't know who I was. As these things began to fall, as they began to fail, my self-worth did the same. I began to grasp at anything and everything I could to find worth in anything and everything but God. I started struggling with eating disorders. I struggled with depression because I was lost. I didn't know who I was. I had struggled with self-harm because I didn't like who I was because I was confused. I was trying to flash this false ID to all of these people and it wasn't working. And I struggled. But then one night, I was at a prayer meeting with a group of my friends. They were worshiping, they were praying to God, and I was sitting there, and I remember feeling so defeated, so frustrated with how I was living. I will never forget, I was sitting in the back of this huge room, and I was just sitting in my despair. I felt unworthy because of what I've done and what I was doing. And then all of a sudden, I felt the presence of God so strongly, like the light that shone on Paul on the road to Damascus. I felt like God was sitting right next to me in this room on this college campus. And in that moment, in my spirit, I heard him look at me. I heard him say to me, Catherine, the life you are living is not the life I have laid out for you. Come back to me. Like Jesus with Paul, he did not come with condemnation. He did not come with judgment in that moment, he came with grace. And he came with mercy. Because he saw his daughter hurting. He saw his daughter lost. And he wouldn't stand for it. So he snapped me out of it. And I'll be honest with you guys, my journey from that moment on, it was not easy. It was hard to take a lifetime of lies and a lifetime of living behind this false identification and to renew it and to refresh it. But I'm here to tell you it is worth it. It is worth the pain. It is worth the effort because Jesus changes everything and Jesus is worth everything. I know we spend a lot of time Talking about Paul, but I want to transition here and I want to talk about who you are in Christ, who you become in Christ. So, we're going to look at one more book of the Bible. We're going to look at the letter of Ephesians. This is a letter that Paul wrote while he was in jail, while he was actually imprisoned for preaching the gospel, which, remember, is something that he used to imprison others for. Ironic. So, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 3, and we're going to look at these verses, and we're going to see exactly who we will and can become if we allow Jesus to change our identity. Starting in verse 3. Blessed be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You are blessed Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, you are chosen. That we should be holy and blameless before him. You are holy and blameless. Skip to verse 6, verse 7. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will, you are a son and a daughter, In him, we have redemption through his blood. You are redeemed. The forgiveness of our trespasses, you are forgiven according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. You are rich. You are blessed. You are chosen. You are holy and blameless. A son and daughter, you are redeemed, forgiven, and rich. These are the things that are promised to you if you will surrender to Jesus and allow him to change everything. Some of you in this room this morning, you might have known Jesus as your Savior for a while. You may have been walking with him for a while, but it might be time for an ID upgrade. Just like when you turn 21 and you have to go get your new license, I think now it it turns the other way. It's different when I was younger. You have to get a new license. You get a new picture, you're like, oh, I look 21, hey. I still look 12 in my 21. It's fine. But you have to get a new identification. You have to renew your ID. Sometimes with our walk with Christ, there are moments where you have to renew your ID. You have to refresh yourself. You have to remind yourself that these things that I just read, they are true of you. We need to start turning in our old expired licenses and get a new fresh identification from Jesus identity in Jesus is about who you become so like i mentioned before i said that my journey after that that moment that transforming moment my journey was hard it was long and what I want to do this morning, instead of just leaving you at that, I want to help you guys know what it means to actually walk in fullness of who you are in Christ. And I want to give you guys some practical ways that I did it with the hopes and prayer that it will help you guys as well. Does that sound good? Great. So the first thing that I did that night after God spoke to me, I, I repented The first thing I did was repent and receive God's grace. For you to receive a new identity in Jesus, you have to recognize the one that you have is not okay. The one that you have is false. We have to have a moment where we repent to God for how we have made other things idols in our lives, other things gods in our lives. We need to reorder our love So that he is superior, that he is supreme. God has forgiveness to offer you, but you have to open your mouth and you have to ask for it. We need to repent to him. The second thing I did was I reached out to the body, I reached out to those in my life who knew Jesus and in whom I trusted. We were never meant to do this alone. From the very beginning of time, God created Eve for Adam because he said, it is not good for man to be alone. We are meant for community. So if you are sitting here and if you are discouraged or if you are unsure of yourself, do not be afraid to call on your brothers and sisters in Christ. Like I called Amy to get my passport. Who can you call and rely upon? I had no question in my mind that she would help me. Who can you call that you can depend upon, who can encourage you, who can edify you, who can make you laugh? There are many people in this room this morning that I know, no matter what is happening in my life, I can call them, and they will be there for me. And they are here for you guys as well, every single one of you. Reach out to the body. Know those because we are doing this together. And what better way to fight than to stand up, to link arms with your brothers and your sisters and actually do this work together. Let's be a community that stands together. And the third thing I did was I suited up and I went to war. Ephesians 6 talks about the whole armor of God. It talks about all the different articles and things that you need to put onto yourself. God does not just say, great, you're my daughter, boom, here's all your armor. You have to put it on. You have to prepare yourself for the battles that are in front of you. But the good thing about that is that you are already victorious. But our faith is a call to action. So we must put on the armor. Ephesians 6.13, it says, Therefore take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, having done all to stand firm. How do we stand firm? By knowing who we are. How do we know who we are? By knowing who God says we are. You guys, we have this entire book full of truth about who God says that you are, about what he has for you, about the plans that are good for your life. They are all right here. Read your word, know your word. To help you guys in this, I've actually printed out some confession sheets. There is just a little half sheet and it's filled with truth directly from the Bible, about who you are. I encourage you, there's going to be someone at the door as you leave. Grab one. Put it on your mirror in your bathroom or in your bedroom. Put it in your car. Start to declare these truths over your lives, even if you don't believe it yet. Because the more that you declare it, the more that you say it over yourself, the less power the devil has over you and over your identity. Take it one step further. Bring someone with you and do it. Build community. Challenge someone. Check in with each other. How are you doing with this? Have you read your sheet today? What on that sheet are you struggling with? How can I pray for you? Let's do this together. Suit up and let's go to war. Identity in Jesus. It's not about what you've done. It's not what you do. It's about who you are and who you become. As we close this morning, I want to have a moment of prayer for you all. I want to pray for two specific things. First, if you are, if you're in this room or if you're listening to the podcast, and you've known Jesus for a while, but you're still finding your worth and your identity and the things that you are doing and your performance. And you are ready today to surrender that to God. I wanna pray with you. I wanna pray with you because we are a community that stands for one another. And I'm not saying this as someone who's got it all together. I still do this day in and day out. And so if that is you, I want everyone, go ahead and close your eyes. And I want you to pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I thank you for what you've done this morning, what you've done for me. I thank you for covering my sins and bringing me into victory with you. This morning I repent of how I've been finding my worth. I have been looking at my actions And my accomplishments to define me. But no more. Today I declare that I am a son or daughter of the living God. My identity is not in what I do. It is in who you, Jesus, have made me to be. Amen. And the second thing I want to pray over us is if you are in this room. And you have not known Jesus as your savior. And you have been living under this false identity of striving and piecing together things. And if you are at a place right now where you say enough is enough, I'm ready to turn in my old identification and replace it with a new, fresh, glorious one with God. I wanna pray for you and I wanna celebrate with you. So if that is you, let's pray together. Again, everyone, close your eyes for me. And pray with me. Say, Jesus, I thank you for your grace. I thank you that you came to this earth to live a perfect life, to die a horrible death, and to be raised from the dead for my sake. I recognize that I have made mistakes, I have sinned against you, and now I repent of those and ask you, Jesus, to become my savior. Today, I declare that I have been adopted into God's kingdom as his son or daughter, and I will not go back to the way I was before. My identity is in now and forever will be in who you, Jesus, have made me to be, amen.
0: Amen, God's good, he's great. Catherine, thank you for that incredible message. Preach, so I'm going to be. It's hard for me to not preach right now, but I'm not going to. Okay. I want to encourage you with this, though. We're gonna we're gonna open this up for prayer for anybody who needs prayer for any reason. Uh, in just a moment. I don't know about you, but when I get that little thing in the mail, showing my age here now, but when it says, "Hey, you need to you need to renew your driver's license." I don't ever look at that and think, oh, I get to go I get to go to the DMV. I can't even wait to do this. This is exciting. What a great day. Uh, there's something inside of you you don't want to do it. Your flesh is crying out for you that that, that is effort you don't want to do. And if you've ever heard the saying that for every step, you know, that you, that you're making towards Jesus, you have a thousand voices screaming at you to stay right where you are. Just keep operating on that expired identification. You'll be fine. No, you won't. You might for a little while. It's only gonna last for so long. Some of you are sitting here this morning, and that's exactly what you need to do. Maybe you didn't pray in that moment, or maybe you actually need to follow up with the prayer the prayer that you just prayed, and you need to actually look at somebody in the eyes. And I'm asking you to have courage to do that. Some of you dads are here, and your identification is in your strength. That's how you've kind of made your identity and you shout and you're loud and you're angry and that's that's who you are and you need to cash that thing in. And you need to become the father that God's called you to become. Some of you are sitting here and it is all about your job or it's all about your money or it's all about the GPA or it's all about your marriage status or lack of or kids or not kids. And I'm telling you right now, as Catherine already said, that's not what our identity is in It's in who Jesus says you are and you are chosen you are forgiven you are redeemed you are blessed you are rich in grace et cetera, et cetera et cetera If you've been asked to be available for prayer today would you actually would you go ahead and just line the front of the stage for me here Uh, right now if, if you would and then here's what I want to invite you to do if anybody needs prayer and maybe it's not even specific to the message maybe you need prayer because you've been feeling sick or you're worried about something or you're discouraged well we're here to pray with you if you don't need prayer that's okay it's great God's good and faithful, and you can just graciously begin to move out of the cafeteria and begin to partake of the nacho bar that's sitting outside. Now, some of you are thinking, "Well, I'm not going to get prayed for if it means I miss nachos." We're going to save them for you. Okay? It's a real thought. It's a real thought, isn't it? So, let's deal with our hearts this morning. Amen. Stand to your feet. We're going to close with this. And if you need prayer for any reason, make your way down front, and we'd be happy to pray for you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday on Mother's Day, and uh, enjoy the nacho bar.